WDBM East Lansing. The impact. You're listening to Impact Exposure. Exposure gives a voice to our community and provides a forum for discussing the relevant issues of today. Broadcasting from the campus of Michigan State University, this is Impact Exposure. Thank you for tuning in to Impact Exposure. I am Abby Newton, your new Exposure host. It is a pleasure to be with you on this lovely but chilly Tuesday evening. Tonight, we talk with Scott Hanshu of the Department of Natural Resources, chat with the Associated Students of Michigan State University President Evan Martinek, and hear from the author of What Nerve? Later on Exposure, we will sit down with Alexis Parker to talk about MSU's celebration of Martin Luther King Jr. Day. But first, today's news. It is my great privilege and distinct honor to introduce the 44th President of the United States of America, Barack H. Obama. Yesterday, an estimated 800,000 people filled the National Mall to watch the swearing-in of President Barack Obama as the nation's 44th President. Each time we gather to inaugurate a president, we bear witness to the enduring strength our Constitution. We affirm the promise of our democracy. We recall that what binds this nation together is not the colors of our skin or the tenets of our faith or the origins of our names. What makes us exceptional, what makes us American, is our allegiance to an idea articulated in a declaration made more than two centuries ago. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. speech also highlighted changes and challenges Americans will face in 2013. President Obama stated, we have always understood that when times change, so must we. Inauguration Day was complete with Beyonce singing the national anthem, a parade on the National Mall, and a White House after party. In other news, a shooting on a Houston, Texas community college campus wounded three people this afternoon. According to the Associated Press, the school's official Twitter feed told students and faculty to take immediate shelter. The school went on lockdown and detained the shooter. According to the Lansing State Journal, the Michigan Department of Community Health is creating a campaign to fight obesity in Michigan, which is the nation's fifth heaviest state. The new campaign will be presented Wednesday as part of the Michigan Health and Wellness 4x4 plan that was created in June. This campaign came from Governor Rick Snyder's request to explore ways to combat obesity in Michigan. Now back to Impact Exposure. The Red Cedar River has always been a scenic route for Michigan State students, but now it will offer a little bit more. The Department of Natural Resources recently announced that fishing will be allowed in the Red Cedar River between the western edge of Brody Complex and the Sparty Bridge. On the phone with us tonight is Scott Hanshu from the Department of Natural Resources. Hello, Scott. Thank you for joining us, and welcome to Exposure. 
Can you hear me okay? Yes, I can. Thank you. Sure. Um, so fishing has been banned in the Red Cedar River since 1960, correct? Correct. Why was that? I believe it was to, uh, to create more of a, a wildlife preserve on campus. Okay. Very cool. Do you feel like that was successful? Um, yeah, I mean, the, uh, there's quite a bit of wildlife throughout the the, uh, the campus and the and the uh, adjacent farmlands that the campus or the university owned. Okay, so why was the recent change? Why is fishing now allowed in the Red Cedar? Actually, I was spearheaded by uh, um, Commissioner Tim Nichols with the Natural Resources Commission. Mm-hmm. They wanted to highlight the uh, that the Red Cedar River is, is actually a cleaner water body than most people think. Okay. So it would it would provide uh, additional recreational opportunities in the Lansing area and and highlight the quality of the of the river. Okay. So how long have they been working on this project? Excuse me. How long have they been working on trying to get this to be allowed? I believe the first meetings uh, occurred last July or August. Okay. Uh, the trustees met uh, with the with the uh, the commissioner and discussed different options. Um, and then the final decision, I believe, was made in December. Okay. So what, what what process was required to make the change? You said that they met, but were there any other legislation pieces that had to get passed as well? Could you repeat that? I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, you said that they had to meet to discuss this. Were there any other legislation pieces that had to be passed or bills in that kind of sense as well? No, it was a, uh, a university ordinance that needed to be modified. Okay. So the Board of Trustees had to vote on it. Okay, great. Um, now, how long will the policy stand? Will it stand until it will be corrected, or what are your um, what do you think about that? I'm sorry, you broke up again. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I apologize, listeners, for our connection. It's a little bad over here, but we'll make do. Um, I said, how long will the policy stand for fishing? Is it until someone wants to make a change, or how long will it be? Uh, right now, it's a three-year experimental period. Okay. Um, they they want to see how well it's received and whether or not there's any issues that arise because of safety or uh, additional bank um, erosion just to evaluate over, over a three-year period. Okay, great. Now, how can one go about to fish in the Red Cedar River? Are there passes you have to get or a license? Can you explain that process? Yeah, um, you need a valid um, Mich- state of Michigan fishing license. Okay. Um, and if you want to catch um, salmon or steelhead, um, you will need an all-species license. Um, otherwise, if you're just targeting warm water fishes, a general fishing license is required. Okay. And where do people go about to get those licenses? Uh, there's numerous outlets um, in the East Lansing area, Myers, uh, the sporting goods stores, Dunham's, Dick's, Gander Mountain. Um, I'm sure there's other outlets. Okay. And what fish can people hope to catch? Well, um, warm water fish, there's a large and smallmouth bass, northern pike, uh, rock bass. Um, occasionally, some walleye will will move upstream from the the Grand River, um, and then seasonally, in the spring, steelhead, and in the fall, coho salmon and steelhead. Okay, we've got a lot of variety. That's exciting. <laughs> it's a diverse fishery. <laughs> Definitely. Um, well, thank you very much for your time, Scott. I'm sure we'll see plenty of students fishing come spring, or maybe ice fishing in this winter. Who knows? Great. Well, thank you very much. For more information about fishing, you can visit www.michigan.gov backslash fishing. Thank you again, Scott. Okay. One of the most common phrases in the last month of 2012 was fiscal cliff. 
Impact's Thea Card tells us about what the fiscal cliff is and what we can expect from it in 2013. Happy New Year, everyone. It's 2013, and so far we've proven the mines wrong, we survived another semester, and we avoided plummeting off the fiscal cliff. Wait, what was the fiscal cliff? When you look at the fiscal cliff from far away, it looks like a vertical drop, but get a bit closer and it looks like a, a staircase, right? We're going to turn now to the desperate last-ditch efforts to try to keep the country from falling off the fiscal cliff, sending everybody's taxes up and possibly sending the country into another recession. It is going over the cliff, the best option for Democrats. Welcome back to Harbor with an electoral history or actually victory behind him. Democrats are feeling more confident in talks with Republicans about the fiscal cliff. Okay. But what was the fiscal cliff? No, I've been really out of the loop. Uh, couldn't tell you. I'm trying to think. Um, and basically that the economy was going to go horribly, horribly wrong. I've heard of a fiscal year. All right, let's do a little homework. 2011 started some huge debates between congressional Democrats and Republicans about the nation's debt, specifically whether or not to raise the debt ceiling. Neither side would compromise. So Congress decided to help itself out by forcing itself into a sticky situation. Let's make some things that we promised to do on January 1st, 2013, that nobody wants, that it will force Congress to act responsibly, to avoid that. This is Michigan State University economics professor Charlie Ballard. That thing that they wanted to avoid, that was set to go off on January 1st, 2013, is what came to be known as the fiscal cliff. Now, to really understand this, Ballard says you have to know what the debt ceiling is. It's this mystical idea Congress agreed would be our budget. The U.S. uses the difference between the taxes we raise and the money we make to indicate how much we have to borrow from other countries. We're the only country in the world that does this, by the way. Other countries pay their bills as they go. We have a legislated ceiling on the total amount that the government can borrow. And that was the source of the first fiscal cliff, because we were running up against the debt ceiling in the summer of 2011, and in order to raise the debt ceiling, we got the fiscal cliff. All right, cool. Everything is figured out, right? It's mid-January, the U.S. is still here, everything's been dealt with and taken care of. Kinda. You see, Congress did raise taxes on people who make more than $450,000, but they didn't cut any of the budget. So Congress avoided the fiscal cliff. For now. By March 1st, Congress has to agree to a new set of budget cuts. If these cuts are not agreed on, then the original plan, the one created in 2011, the plan that was created with such unattractive and displeasing measures, will go into effect. That probably isn't going to happen either. This is Professor Ballard again. And my guess is that it will go down to the wire, just like it went down to the wire on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. If the two sides agreed, they could have reached a deal months ago, years ago. But the two sides are in very fundamental disagreement. And when that is the case, negotiations always go down to the absolute last minute. Ballard says right now, this fiscal cliff doesn't really affect MSU students. Unless, of course, you make over $450,000 a year. 
However, it's the next cliff, the one in March, that could mess with federal funding for schools, grants, and loans. We'll just have to wait this one out and see. For Impact Exposure, I'm Thea Card. You're listening to Impact Exposure. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Friday nights at 10 p.m., get ready for The Mechanical Pulse, where we're spinning all the house, trance, drum and bass, electro, ambient, and remixed music you need to get the weekend started. You'll hear live interviews and DJs spinning straight from the Impact Studios and the best new music on the scene. So tune in every Friday night at 10 p.m. for Mechanical Pulse. Only on 88.9 The Impact. Have you ever considered donating your blood? If not, perhaps you might reconsider. By the time this announcement is through, 15 new people will need blood. In fact, blood is needed by one in every 10 hospital patients, and there is almost always a shortage. There is no substitute for human blood. It cannot be manufactured. It can only come from those willing to donate. To learn more or make an appointment, visit redcrossblood.org. Reconsider blood donation. It's about life. Now back to Impact Exposure. This is Abby Newton, Impact Exposure. Now I'm sitting here with published author and screenwriter Marcus Peterson, who is indeed from Lansing, Michigan. Peterson recently published his new book, What Nerve?, which is a collection of comedic anecdotes about the outrageous things people do and how it affects others. Marcus, welcome to Exposure. Oh, thank you. And um, I just want to thank God and I want to thank Impact for having me. And um, I just want to I just want to say uh, thank you to my baby and um, I love you, Tierra. Tierra. <laughs> well, I love you, baby. <laughs> well, welcome. We're very happy to have you. Um, now, first off, as we understand it, you're very published or very good at writing. Mm-hmm. So, how'd you get started, and how'd you develop your passion for writing? Oh, um, I got started because a friend he wanted to do an anime, and um, he could draw, but he couldn't write. So, you know, um, I wanted to do it, and I took the role. And ever since I started writing, I loved it, and that's how it got started. Okay. How long have you been writing? I've been writing for twelve years now and i'm gonna be oh i just love it <laughs> <laughs> well good i it can you know listeners i can sense from his excitement and his huge smile he definitely oh, does <laughs> oh thank you <laughs> you're welcome now what was the, what do you remember to be your first time that you wrote what oh, was that um the anime show like um, i started writing that and it was like a piece of paper and i was just writing and when i realized about putting my imagination on paper to be able to do that it's like it's like a creation it just you know it's so powerful and it really touched me and i definitely did it you know it helps me express my Myself, and that's what I love. Okay, great. Um, now, tell us about your new book, What Nerve? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what Nerve is so hilarious. Like, I love it. It's just, you know, the nerve of people. Like, oh, my gosh. Like, my friend, you know, he was sleeping so good. He was sleeping so good. It was 7.30 in the morning. And he was sleeping good. And then all of a sudden, his manager calls him on a, fr- on a Saturday morning. On a Saturday morning and have him come in on Tuesday. I mean, who does that? It was like the right. nerve of her to wake him up up on a Saturday morning and have them come on Tuesday. So, um, <laughs> you know, after that, and then I started writing about other stories, and I came up with a whole collection of them, and, um, and that's 
what I came up with. It's just a nerve of people. Okay, because I remember reading that excerpt, and you said it was 7.30 a.m. on a Saturday that he woke up, and he told, hey, you don't have to come into work t- Tuesday, but it's Saturday. So I understand you're <laughs> – that's really funny. Now, what else – what other topics did you talk about in the What Nerve book? Any come to mind? Oh, yeah, that's about it. And, like, another person who got hit by a car, and then um, they drove off. <laughs> Like, it was so funny. Like, they just drove off, and they didn't even check them or nothing. Then other cars, they didn't get out of their cars either. They just kept driving around like nothing happened. I'm like, what the heck? It's like the nerve of people. And then, oh, it's just so, it's just so many different stories. And, like, one about a shoe customer, that one is hilarious. I, I love that one. Okay. So it's, it's like a whole bunch of short stories. And <laughs> Sure. Very fun. <laughs> Sounds good. Now, um, you are also a screenwriter, correct? Yes. Okay, so what's the difference between screenwriting and writing a book? Oh, there's a lot of different zones. You know, the first thing is screenwriting is about visuals. You know, you got to write visually. And, you know, writing on a book is, you know, you got to be descriptive. You know, you got to be able to put the vision in people's head. So you got to be descriptive. And, you know, books are longer. Screenplays are shorter. And um, so that's mainly the big difference is, you know, screenplays, visual, books is writing. And, you know, I got to tell you, I love screenplay writing. I love book writing. I love doing it all. And, you know, it's, it's a change of pace. And that's another reason why I love writing. You get to, there's so many feels like playwriting, songwriting. There's so many fields, and I love screenwriting and book writing. I love it. Okay, great. Sounds like it. Now, what challenges did you face when you were trying to get published for the first time? Oh, the first time is finding the right publisher. Um, that was the biggest challenge. Like, you know, there's so many publishers out there. You got to find the right publisher that fits you. You know, you if you could do that, oh my gosh. Like, my publisher, Take Publishing, for example, you know, they love my writing and the way they're going to be marketing is just brilliant. So, you always want to find a publisher that matches you. If there's a publisher, if you want to be a, a horror writer, you know, you don't want to go to a romance publisher. You want to go to a publisher that deals with horror. So you always want to find the right publisher. Okay, great. Now, how old were you when you first got published? Um, it was 2007, so I was 22. Okay, and how long had you been searching to get published? Oh, um, took me about five years. Okay. took me about five years, and I did a lot of searching, and, um, and it took me about five years to get published. Okay, very nice. And now I understand that you have four books. You've had four books accepted for publishing. Uh, one is about relationships. Mm-hmm. So why relationships? What importance does that bring to your life? Well, because, you know, you know, a lot of people do relationships and I just want to help them. And one of the things that I realize is people don't know what they have until it's gone. And I wanted to relay that message in my fourth book, Who Win the Girl? And that's what it's called. It's called Who Win the Girl? And um, that's been accepted by Tate Publisher and they love it. And it's just very heartwarming and it touches you emotionally because, you know, you you got to appreciate what you have. You know, you got to love them. You got to show them how you feel. You got to express how you feel. And when you want something, you got to go after it. You know, you got to. Like, you know, just don't sit there. Don't let nobody else take it from you. You just got to go after it. And, um, and I know how it feels to, you know... You know, find a woman and, you know, be with her. And I know how it feels when you want a woman and she doesn't love you back and it hurts. And um, and I've been through all that and all that's going to be in that book. Okay. All of it. And um, the ending is just the ending will definitely leave you thinking like it's not one of those books where you just read it. OK, you know, that's it. But when you read this book, you're going to it's like you're going to close it. And you're just going to think. And then, you know, when you look at your 
you know, you better have, you definitely going to appreciate it. Okay, great. Do you have any other upcoming books we can look um, forward to? Yes. Um, like What Nerve, I'm making a sequel to that one, and I'm going to be having a lot of books that's going to be coming out in 2014. Um, I got Cold Spirits, Grief versus Passion. It's an epic fantasy, <laughs> and um, people love the fast pace in that. It's so fast paced, and um, that's a screenplay that I got option, and um, so it's um, it's definitely real awesome. I love it. <laughs> Good. Now, you said earlier that you were a fan of quotes, correct? Yes. So what's your favorite quote? My favorite quote is probably mine. Okay. Um, <laughs> like, uh, mine is like, uh, my stories is about a figment. My stories are not just about a figment of my imagination, but also interpretation of personal experiences that I deliver for engaging events that people can relate to. And um, that pretty much means that not only do I create these stories, but... Like, for instance, like, who win the girl? You know, um, dealing with relationships, you got to appreciate each other. So I put my experiences in my stories, and that's what I love. It's like um, I use my imagination, but I also deliver, you know, engaging events that people can relate to. And another one that I love is, um, is by Richard Bach. You know, he says that professional writers are amateurs, are amateurs that um, – <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, a, he says, a professional writer is an amateur that didn't quit. You know, and that's what he says, and he's right. You know, if you look at it, like when I was a screenwriter and I was trying to get a film deal, you know, a lot of people didn't believe in me. You know, it was like, it's impossible to get a film deal, and screenwriters go through it their whole life while getting a film deal. And But I see screenwriters that does have a film deal. So if they can do it, then I can do it, and I was determined. I was so determined to get it done. I got, I was doing query letters after query letters. I revised like, when they turned me down, I kept doing revision, I kept doing revision, and then I got accepted. And that's what you got to do. You just cannot stop. You cannot give up. You got to keep going. And that's what I did, and, and I'm a screenwriter today. That's great. Well, congratulations on that. Oh, um, also, you. you know, you're from Lansing, so what is it like to be able to live in the town that you grew up in while you're making a living and being a writer? Oh, um, I love it. Like, Lansing is a great place to live. Um, I love the community, and, you know, it's it's nice to be here. You know, I mean, it just get to go through the weather. You get to know people. And Michigan, you know, what that love about Michigan is that we go through all four seasons. And, you know, I love that. Like, I love fall, and I just love the people here. You know, Lansing is definitely a great place to be, and I travel to other places, but Michigan is definitely will always be my home. Great. Um, one of the last questions I want to ask you is what advice you would give to aspiring writers, especially the college students who are trying to be professional writers? Well, just don't quit. Um, you know, I just want to let you know, just keep going. Um, just keep going. Don't stop. And, you know, always want to, you always want to try to, like, if you know people in the industry, you know, contact them. Even if they, even if you know they won't help you, like, I'm, I'm related to Venus and Serena Williams. And, you know, I ask them for help. And, you know, and, you know, even if you get turned down, you know, you still got to keep going. And um, so if you know people in the industry, you know, contact them. If you don't, just keep going and just keep going. And, you know, and one thing I want to say is, you know, one, another quote that I love is by, um, Toni Morrison, she says, if there's a book that you really want to read, but it hasn't been written yet, then you must write it. So when you want to be a writer, just think of that because, you know, you want to get your book out there because you want to read it. So that's my thing is just keep going, do research, find out all the information, know the business. And, you know, and that's why I have a writing consultation service on my site, you know, to help other authors, you know, because I've been there. You know, I've been through the struggle. I know how hard it is to get your foot through the door. I got my foot through the door and I want to help others. 
Great. Well, thank you again for joining us today, Marcus. We really appreciate your time. Um, Again, this is Lansing author and publisher Marcus Peterson. For more information on his book, you can visit www.what-nerve.com. Thank you again, Marcus. It was a pleasure. (laughs) Thank you so much. I love you, baby. My best friend and significant other. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you again. You're welcome. Um, Now, yesterday was Martin Luther King Jr. Day, a national holiday honoring and celebrating a man who fought for social justice. There were several events held at Michigan State University to celebrate this holiday. Monday, hundreds of MSU students went into the streets of East Lansing and Lansing to volunteer their time. There was also a commemorative walk on campus. Impact's Carmen Scruggs reports on what MSU students thought of the day. Monday marked the 27th anniversary celebrating the life of Martin Luther King Jr. But what exactly does this day mean to MSU students? To find out, I talked to Spartans around campus and discovered that some enjoyed the day as one for relaxation. Adam Jacobs, uh, freshman. Um, it's important in the fact that it obviously gives me a nice relaxing day of school, but it's also important to show that, uh, how it's impacted the United States of America. I'm George Smith. I'm a freshman. To be honest, it mostly is a day off. That's the first thing I think of, but, uh, in terms of his accomplishments, they don't mean too much to me. Other students find that the holiday is about more than just a day off. MSU held a variety of events around campus, including a march, to commemorate Dr. King. To change anything, it takes time and effort. Dr. Martin Luther King did not begin his life as a leader. Dr. King had to fail more than once to eventually reach the benefits of, of succeeding and being acknowledged as a leader that we know and love today. Thank you. Junior Tyler Clifford, a part of Alpha Phi Alpha, which helped coordinate the march, believes the day is about social justice. My name is Tyler Clifford. I'm a junior at Michigan State University. Specifically on this day, I can't say on this day why he's important to be remembered, but he's, he's, he's important to be remembered all, all the time. Because, you know, the fight for social justice doesn't just come every January on MLK Day. The fight for justice includes tomorrow, it includes last year, it's going to include next year as well, because we're not going to be done no matter you know, There's always something to work on to help to better ourselves. While other students attending the march stressed the importance of community service. I'm Carmel Hopkins, I'm a sophomore. Um, well, for me, MLK Day is a day of service. I went out earlier this morning and gave back to the community. And basically, I just want to um, contribute positively to this dream. For senior Nomeka Yunebu, the holiday is about reflection. Um, it means reflection on our past um, civil heroes. For Impact News, I'm Carmen Scruggs. Still to come on Exposure, more highlights from Martin Luther King Jr. Day, the Spartan Spotlight with ASMSU President Evan Martinick, and your motivational moment. You're listening to Impact Exposure. First floor. Hey, what floor are you going to? <clears throat> oh, uh, three, thanks. <coughs> Hey, didn't we uh, have... Yeah, that one class. Yeah, that's so funny to, <laughs> to see you, because I <coughs> thought maybe we could... Uh, would you ever want to... Um, I was wondering if you, if I could stick my finger in your eye. What? No. Oh, I just flushed some toilets and touched a doorknob. What? I've been keeping this moist Kleenex Ew, in my pocket. that's uh, so gross. I thought we could, you know, just stick my finger Ugh. in your eye. Is that weird? No, don't touch me. What's wrong with you? Oh. Sorry. Well, ever since you got in the elevator, you've been coughing all over your hands and pressing those buttons, so I just thought you were into that kind of thing. Third 
Studies show that three quarters of women and only half of men actually wash their hands in the bathroom. That's nasty. Stop the flu and other germs by regularly washing with soap and avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. More at cdc.gov slash clean hands. Impact 89 FM. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. From 10 p.m. until midnight Sunday nights, listen to the Impact Afterglow, where you can hear a variety of relaxed tracks to help you ease into the start of a new week. Only on Impact Primetime. Now back to Impact Exposure. Welcome back to Impact Exposure. I'm Abby Newton. With me now is Alexis Parker. Alexis is the co-chair of the Martin Luther King Jr. Leadership Conference. Alexis, welcome to Exposure. Hi, I'm very happy to be here. Well, we're happy to have you. Now, first off, tell me a little bit about yourself. What year are you and what are you studying? Well, I'm a freshman and I'm studying supply chain management for business. So Okay, and you're already a co-chair of the Martin Luther <laughs> yeah, King? Yeah, okay. already. I figured since I was just getting adjusted, I'd get involved right away. So That's great. Now, how did you get involved with the Martin Luther King Junior Student Leadership Conference? I was actually at a social from one of my other organizations, um, Multicultural Business Students, and one of my friends, Corey, had invited me to um, a meeting because he had attended the conference last year. So um, I attended the conference, and they had elections for um, positions on the staff, so I decided I'd go for it, and I got co-chair. That's great. So what did the uh, co-chair responsibilities, what did they include throughout the year? Basically managing the committees and making sure things got done on time and were productive, and also um, making sure that the speakers uh, knew that what they were supposed to be doing and when they were supposed to be uh, uh, doing what they do. So a lot of detail went into putting the conference together. Okay, so now can you tell us a little bit about the conference? What is it, you know, what do you do there? What's it all about? Okay, well, basically, it's an all-day event where students get a better understanding of Martin Luther King's vision. So what we do is we break it into two parts. The first part is for high school students, which we invite every year, and which allows them to kind of get an understanding of admission to college and financial aid as kind of like an introduction. And then also, um, we allow them to get... Um, some more information about Martin Luther King Jr., and then they get involved in workshops for them. Um, the second part is for the undergraduate students here at MSU, and there they have a more mature discussion about um, social injustice that Martin Luther King dealt with throughout his work and everything. And it's really fun, interactive workshops and workshops and everything. So, yeah. Okay, great. Uh, how long has this com- conference been going on? For about 10 years now. That's great. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what speakers were there this time? We had Dr. Betts, who is the assistant dean for the business college, and we also had Dr. Maybeck. Okay. And mm-hmm. she the vice president of student affairs? Yes, okay. she is. <laughs> okay, awesome. How were the speakers? They were really great. They said some really inspiring things and their perspective on Martin Luther King was just empowering it all in itself. So Okay, what were what messages were they trying to get across? Mainly, um, Dr. Betts focused on like global environments, like how students should become more global educated and to get involved with different um, orgs in order to get a cultural understanding of things. And Dr. Maybeck is all about um, being prepared for the future and always being equipped with um, new information so you can use it with you always. Okay. How was the turnout on Monday? It was great. We had about 400 students come and some of which were high school kids from um, the East Lansing area, Detroit, and also Flint. 
kids. So Okay. So I take it you're still going to be involved with this as you continue your college uh, Definitely. Okay. Definitely. What changes do you think there'll be in the future? Um, I definitely want to see some more um, publicity for the event so we can get even more undergraduate because, you know, it's hard to get um, college kids up on a sal- Saturday morning. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so. I see. Mm-hmm. Now, what, um, what messages did you try to get across through the conference? Not just the speakers, but, you know, if there was one thing that the students could leave the conference with, what would that be? I would say realizing that we are the next generation. As Dr. Maybank had put it in one of her speeches, we're the I can generation, meaning that when we feel like something is wrong or as like socially injustice, we can band together and stand up and fight against it. Okay, good. Now, what did Martin Luther King uh, Jr. Day mean to you personally? I would say it means bringing everyone together in a sense of um, everyone with different religions, races, gender, bringing us all to that same playing field and kind of interacting and enjoying what he truly believed in, which is equality. Okay. Um, now, how has be- how is the conference beneficial for students, and what kind of impact did it have on them? I would say, um, like I mentioned before, it got them interacting with people from different cultures and interacting with people who have different perspectives on Dr. King and his beliefs. So I feel like, in that sense, it was very beneficial. Okay, great. Um, do you have any other big events coming up through those organizations you're involved in? Um not yet. We're just resting and taking a break now after all that work putting in for the past couple months. So right. that's good. But I'll definitely keep everybody posted. <laughs> good. Um, did you attend any of the other Martin Luther King Jr. events? Oh, I did. I was at every single one, actually. Oh, <laughs> yeah. that's great. Which one did which? Can you tell me about the weekend? Oh, definitely. Um, after the Student Leadership Conference on Saturday, Sunday, there was a jazz concert at the Wharton Center, which was absolutely amazing. Like, oh. I love jazz music. So it was nice to definitely sit there and enjoy earth wind and fire and all the different songs they played and then monday they had a commemorative oh first in the morning they had a um volunteer into the streets okay. activity and then after later in the day 3 p.m they had a commemorative march led by the alpha fraternity okay. and it was nice to kind of you know participate in what martin luther king was kind of known for you know marching and everything and then after they had an exhibit at the museum in honor of him which was really nice as well and we ended the weekend with a dinner that night Oh, wow. You were busy this weekend. Very, very busy. <laughs> Tell me about Into the Streets a little bit more. I heard so much about it, how it was a bunch of Michigan State University volunteers going into the streets. But what more did they do? Um, they definitely just kind of interacted with each other in terms of like volunteering for the community. So it was nice to get everybody out there working together like always. So, What kind of organizations did you guys volunteer for? Um, I know that a few people from um, Multicultural Business Students were there, and as well as the um, MLK staff as well, and a few more that I wasn't too sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. And I, it was absolutely freezing on Saturday, wasn't it? Yes, absolutely. Because <laughs> <laughs> I remember walking through campus and seeing all these students just, you know, doing anything from picking up trash to helping around churches to just, I mean, anything. You just saw them line the sidewalk. So that was a really cool vision to see. Definitely, yeah. yeah. And um, now who played at the jazz concert? At the jazz concert, I believe it was the jazz band for um, Michigan State University, okay. as mm-hmm. well as a few other people. That's awesome. And then the dinner, how was the turnout at the dinner? Uh, there were like, it seemed like thousands of people, but I would say like about 300 people all who um, helped put the events together as well as a couple of guests who attended the events throughout the weekend. So it was a large, large turnout and some really good food. <laughs> good. I'm glad. <laughs> Where was the dinner? It was in Acres Dining Hall. Okay. And that's a good dining hall, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, you said something about a commemorative march and one of our reporters was there, but um, tell me about your take on it. What did you see? What did you feel? 
I saw um, it was really well put together, I feel. Um, it was nice to kind of see everybody come out and support and walk in the freezing snow. <laughs> so, you know, that's definitely dedication right there. So I felt like it was a really great um, representation of Martin, what Martin Luther King believed in. So Okay. Where did you guys walk? We walked from the Union all the way to the um, Beaumont Tower. Okay. Is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah so. Beaumont. Yeah. <laughs> very cool. That's very awesome. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add about the events that you guys put on or anything like that? Um, definitely we put a lot of hard work. Ignacio's the greatest little sponsor ever. So, you know, we work hard and we hope everybody can come out again next year. Sure. Now, was this the first time you'd celebrated Martin Luther King Jr. Day in this sense? Or have you always had traditions? What have you done in the past? Well, this was actually my first time uh, celebrating Martin Luther King Day in a big aspect. Usually just a few of my friends are like, I'll attend a school event and do some like uh, community service or something. But yeah, this was my first like big event celebrating this situation. So. Sure. How did you feel with the presidential inauguration happening on the same day as Martin Luther King Jr. Day? I felt like that was the greatest coincidence ever. <laughs> it was just the best representation of what he believed in. So mm-hmm. that was really cool. Definitely. Well, thank you again for your time. We really appreciate Alexis. And we wish you the best of luck in the future planning and, you know, all the everything you're involved in. So thank you again. Okay. Um, now, after the break, we will return for the Spartan Spotlight, where we will talk to a student or an organi- organization on campus. And today we will sit down with the Associate Students of Michigan State University, President Evan Martinek. You're listening to Impact Exposure. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight, the Impact's progressive torch and twang brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music. Only on Impact Primetime. You wouldn't send a text while using a chainsaw. Check out these pics of this huge tree falling. You probably wouldn't text while scuba diving. And you definitely wouldn't send a text while making out. You are so smoking hot. I love your elbows. Wait, hold on a second. Huh? I need to send this. OMG, I'm like totally kissing him right now. Dude, what the f***? So why would you send a text while driving? Well, that's different. That's what about 6,000 people who died last year said. Oh. And now, it's illegal in Michigan to read, type, or send any text from your phone while driving. It's a $100 fine for the first offense and 200 bucks after that. Ouch. Check out Michigan House Bill 4394. Be a part of the solution and save a life. And seriously, put the phone away while you're making out. You need help. 88.9 Impact. Now back to Impact Exposure. I am Abby Newton. You're listening to Impact Exposure. Right now, we welcome Associated Students of Michigan State University, or ASMSU, President Evan Martinek. And Evan, tell us about your guest. Um, my guest here is uh, with me, Haley Dunnigan. She's our director of PR. Okay, so we have a double team today, which is even more exciting. <laughs> so first off, the ASMSU logo is seen in a variety of places around Michigan State's campus. What exactly is ASMSU? ASMSU is the all-university undergraduate student government. So we represent all undergraduate students in areas of academic governance, state-level issues, as well as sort of local student initiatives and what's going on on campus. Okay, can you tell me uh, some, some of those initiatives? 
for sure. Um, so on campus, we do a lot of like advocacy and also sort of grassroots outreach. Um, and we also have a lot of services. So we have services, uh, legal services to all taxpaying members, um, blue books, uh, interest-free loans, iClicker rentals, um, and faxes and copying. Um, and also we do advocacy at the state level for different things. So something like medical amnesty, which is an initiative or was actually a law passed over the summer um, to get uh, minors uh, who have uh, been drinking uh, too much to be able to call 911 without having to uh, have legal action taken against them. So that's some, an example of something we do at the state level. Okay, great. Now, what are your goals for this year? Um, this year, one of our big goals is just outreach, getting everyone to know about what ASMSU is all about and how to get involved, um, and also different initiatives. So we're looking into things like uh, tax-free textbooks at the state level um, to kind of lower the cost of higher education. We're also looking into a lot of academic issues um, that will make uh, life for undergraduates simpler, um, such as a grief absence policy, which would actually allow students to um, get an excuse uh, from class if they had to attend a funeral of a loved one, or, for example, um, uh, uh, what's the other one? <laughs> um, or getting a syllabus, online uh, syllabus uh, spreadsheet so that all students can see what the classes are all about beyond just the course title. Sure, those all sound really great. Now first, go back to the tax-free textbooks. Mm -hmm. What exactly would that entail and how is that going to happen? So a lot of universities, a lot of Big Ten universities have uh, explored at the state level how to get something like a tax holiday. Um, it's cool because uh, on the one hand, it would actually lower the cost of textbooks for students if they could have a tax, um, either a tax break or a tax refund, but also it's good for the local uh, textbook companies because it puts them on par with a lot of online sales that you wouldn't pay tax for anyway. So it seems like a win-win, um, and we're going to start exploring that at the state level pretty soon here. Okay. Um, now, that would definitely, because right now Amazon seems to be the biggest competitor with those local bookstores, so I feel like you know they might like that a little bit. Uh, now, can you talk about more about the grief absence policy and what exactly that is? For sure. Grief absence policy is actually a policy for faculty that if they lose a family member and need to um, take time to attend the funerals or things like like that, um, they can actually uh, just go ahead and do that. Students, on the other hand, don't necessarily have that option. While most students in the situation will get an excuse from their professor, on, in some cases they don't. The professor says, uh, you know, you have to stay for this exam or make up this homework assignment or something like that. Um, this would essentially, um, our goal is to give those students who don't get that opportunity an outlet to appeal that process and make sure they don't have to choose between taking an exam or going to a funeral. Okay. That's very nice. Have you seen it in progress yet? Or? Yeah, so it's in what's called the academic governance system right now, which is sort of a, a huge conglomerate of faculty, staff, and administrators who basically shape and, and change policies, um, academic policies at the, camp, uh, at the university. Okay, great. Now, what accomplishments have you guys had this semester? Uh, this semester, um, we've been working towards a rebrand and really sh changing the image of ASMSU. Um, we're actually we'll be launching a new website in the next couple of weeks here, as long as uh, along with a, a new brand campaign. Um, we've also looked into sportsmanship and what that looks like on campus and trying to look across um, all the different uh, types of sports um, and also emphasizing you know, what it means to be a Spartan fan on campus and, and trying to uh, curb some of those traditions that uh, don't go over so well with either visiting fans or families coming into East Lansing. It's something we've really um, looked into. 
Um, cell phone charging. Cell phone charging stations. That's one we also borrowed from our friends in the Big Ten. Okay. Um, and the one that we're specifically looking into is unique because, and hopefully it'll be in the library within the next few weeks here, um, you could actually lock up your cell phone and walk away. You don't have to stand there and wait the whole time um, and That's worry great. about theft. So. so the students who spend the whole night in the library studying are safe. They have places to charge exactly their phone. Exactly right. So they can get those uh, late night text messages uh, okay. for, for whatever. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. Now, Haley, tell me a little bit about the rebrand and what that entails. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of our biggest goals was to make sure that ASMSU becomes um, more visible to students on campus. Um, and I think one of the hard things with an organization like ASMSU, um, even though we have students who um, spend a lot of their college career with ASMSU and grow um, with the organization, I think it's kind of hard to um, maintain long-term goals. I think things kind of get mixed up. Um, so one of our main goals um, is to make sure that we have one logo, one brand, that when people see our brand on campus, they know exactly what we do, exactly what services we provide for them. Um, and I think right now it's a little tricky just because throughout the years we've you know, um, created different types of brands and different images, um, and I think that can be confusing to our customer. Um, so we have a fantastic graphic designer. Um, she was just hired this um, past semester, and she's been working really hard um, along with you know, chief of staff, and um, and all of the chairs to kind of come up with something that's fun, but, you know, professional for administration, um, and it's going really great so far. And that, like Evan said, includes a new um, website that's easier to navigate, um, you know, something where students can go on and know exactly, um, you know, what they're looking at, can find out information quickly. Um, and again, you know, we work through Facebook and Twitter um, to, you know, let our customers and students know what we provide for them. So I think that's that's really important, and I think that we've seen our social media networks grow um, throughout this past year. That's great. What hashtags can people look for for you guys? Um, I actually live-tweet General Assembly meetings, so I use the hashtag ASMSU quite a bit. Okay. Um, our Twitter is at ASMSU, um, and, you know, I tweet generally everything, um, things that are happening around campus, initiatives that ASMSU is undertaking, that kind of thing. Um, so I think it's a really useful resource for students just in general. Hashtag Team ASMSU. Team ASMSU, <laughs> okay. yes. How has um, social media helped change the process of getting your name out? Um, social media, I mean, it's really important because we need to capitalize on uh, – we need to capitalize on – Pretty much all of our constituency are on social media, and if that's another avenue that we can reach out to our students and tell them what we're up to, um, it's something that's really important to us. We try to adapt to that changing constituency. Okay. And earlier you mentioned sportsmanship, and that seems like a big thing. Um, You see it all over Big Ten universities. Can you talk about what you guys are trying to do with that? Sure. Um, The Sportsmanship Task Force is what it's called, is sort of a concerted effort to try and bring all the people together that play a role in athletics and, and, and basically fan base at MSU. And if we get all these people in a room and try to figure out, uh, try to figure out how can we make it better? How can we make it better for our players and have that that uh, the extra team member being the fans? How can we uh, make it more equitable so that some of our sports who are awesome, like men's soccer, get more recognition and greater fan base? How can we tap into those fans? And then finally, how do we make East Lansing a welcome place for visitors too, and make sure that we're welcoming in uh, visiting fans to our sports? That's great. It sounds very needed as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, how can students get involved with ASMSU? 
uh, ASMSU has its elections um, in April, and we have representation all across colleges and also in the cores and COPS groups as well. Um, there's also a lot of opportunities for employment. We offer employment everywhere from finance to marketing to, uh, you know, to creative design uh, and IT. Um, and the nice thing about ASMSU employment is it's real hands-on experience. You're actually doing the job. You're not studying under somebody. So there's a lot of opportunities. You can check us out online or on Facebook, and we also send all of our job opportunities out via email and on My Spartan Career. Um, and then one more thing to mention, I think at the most basic level, the way people can get involved, um, again, through social media, letting us know um, what you think. What can we fix on this campus? Um, after all, we are the student government, um, and I think it's really important that um, students get involved because that's the only way we know what initiatives to undertake and, and that sort of thing. So, you know, just reach out to us, send us an email, tweet at us, you know, send us a message on Facebook. Um, you know, those are all things that you can um, can do if you are looking to get involved. Okay, great. Um, also, we heard that recently members of ASMSU went to the Big Ten Student Leadership Conference, which is a collaboration of all the Big Ten student governments. And can you tell us a bit about that, Evan, and what did you learn there? What did you do there? That's right. It's called ABTS. It stands for the Association of Big Big Ten schools. Um, it's a really cool opportunity for all of our uh, the student government nerds to get together and do some uh, you know idea sharing and collaboration. Um, in fact, that's that's sort of the place where we uh, we actually learn from each other a lot of things. So like something like medical amnesty is something that's being shared across the Big Ten, um, and how how we can establish those things. iClicker rentals. Um, uh, the tax-free textbooks, also safe ride programs we're looking into. We're also looking at how uh, student government can be more sustainable and introduce more uh, sustainable options on campus. Um, also how we can encourage undergraduate research and how we can really foster that and undergraduate research and innovation. So we're looking across the board and we can identify areas where we can improve too, looking at places like uh, you know Iowa or, or Indiana or whatever. Okay, very cool. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back to you guys. So one moment. Thank you very much. You're listening to Impact Exposure. Smoking helpline. Yes, I need to start smoking right away. Excuse me? I need to start smoking. Well, actually, it's the Stop Smoking Helpline. The people in the apartment next to mine smoke three packs a day, and it drives me crazy. So I'm thinking four packs will do it. I think you want mysmokefreeapartment.org. It gives you the information you need to work toward a smoke-free apartment building. A smoke-free building. Without all that smoking. Uh, yeah, that's right. Make your apartment smoke-free without making a stink. Mysmokefreeapartment.org. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Wednesday nights from 8 until midnight, it's the Impact's Accidental Blues, your source for great blues music, news, and concert information. Only on Impact Primetime. Hola, my name is Esperanza. After a tragic incident, I was forced from a life of riches in Mexico to a life of poverty in the United States. My mother has become ill and we have become separated from our family. Now I must work for both of us to try to bring the rest of our family together. My name is Esperanza and I am trying to survive. Explore new worlds. Read my story in the novel Esperanza Rising by Pam Muñoz Ryan. For other great book ideas, visit your local library or log on to literacy.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Now back to Impact Exposure. 
Welcome back. Again, I am with Evan and Haley from ASMSU. We were just talking about them, uh, the ASMSU going to the Big Ten Student Leadership Conference with the Association of Big Ten Students. Uh, they, Evan was talking how they talked about research and innovation on campuses. Evan, can you talk more about that and build on what you're trying to do with that? Mm-hmm. Um, well, as you as you surely know, Michigan State is known for being, uh, you know, a leader in research. And um, what we want to do is try to tap into that in the undergraduate level. Um, so, looking across uh, the Big Ten, how can we how can we provide an avenue um, or resources for undergrad students to really tap into research opportunities? Um, one uh, model that we're looking at is funding uh, undergrads to go to conferences and to actually fund their models so that they can present them at the end of the year for their research. Um, so it'd be something like a research board where the, where students can come in and apply and be granted funding for their uh, research initiatives. So that's something that we're looking at uh, this semester. That's great. I'm sure students would be really interested in that as well. Have you guys started the process of creating it or still kind of a baby in the idea sense? Yeah, I mean, it's still early on, but we are looking at how we would structure it and how would the, the code would look and funding models and things like that. Um, we're looking at our, our big brother, COGS, the Council of Graduate Students, because they actually have a program similar to this uh, for graduate students. Um, and, yeah, that's kind of – we're looking by mid-semester to have something rolling. Okay. Uh, at the Big Ten sorry, at the Big Ten Conference, what differences did you notice between Michigan State student government and other Big Ten universities? Um, the big one that I harp on is sustainability. While Michigan State is doing quite a good job at focusing on uh, sustainability efforts um, on campus, both uh, at the sort of big picture level and the 2020 plan, but also at the local level with like recycling and opportunities for students to you know have uh, uh, sustainable like drinking out of water bottles and this and that. Um, but ASMSU really wasn't capitalizing on opportunities to to focus on that. Uh, so we're looking into things like. Um, how can we encourage students, especially students who live off campus, to lower their energy costs? Um, how can we make it competitive so that there's some energy around it? How can we, uh, you know, think about the ways students, um, there's a lot of things called hydration stations, what they call them at the other universities. How can we capitalize on that? And how can we also encourage student groups to uh, adopt more sustainable practices in their events or in their day-to-day, um, which might include a tax break for uh, student groups applying for funding through Funding Board? Um, and we're looking into models of how that might work, okay. uh, sort of like a tax incentive. Okay. Now, what is Funding Board exactly? The Funding Board is uh, is basically a group that receives uh, an allocation from ASMSU, um, and all the registered student organizations, there's over 700 of them now, can apply for funding for their event, and it's adjudicated by this neutral board, um, and they can apply for uh, dollars for their specific events. Okay. Uh, now, it seems to me that the association or associated students of Michigan State University is like a giant umbrella in mm-hmm. which under it you've got your funding board, you have your general assembly, who are the representatives, you have your programming boards, and then you also have legal services. Mm-hmm. So can you talk a little bit about this legal service aspect? Yeah, legal service is something we're really proud of. Um, any student who's a taxpayer member can come receive legal services if they're in a bind in any way. Um, it's actually one of the longest standing ones in the Big Ten. We've had a uh, contract with this firm for about 30 years. Um, and basically, they'll cover anything if you need help with misdemeanors or um, you know even parking tickets or if you're not sure if landlord-tenant issues, if you're being treated uh, right with uh, you know those situations. And they also help ad- advise students on when they're looking to go off campus kind of what to look for in contracts and stuff like that. Um, so it's really great service, and uh, we think, I mean, I'm sure the students would agree, it's when you're in a bind, uh, t- to come up to the third floor is 
is really helpful. They kind of sound like superheroes, yeah, <laughs> student <great>. defenders. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. And so where, how do students, you know, gain access to that? Just yeah. show up on the third floor of student services or yeah, what should they do? Um, they can actually make appointments. Uh, we do it by appointment. So like the number is online and in a bunch of different areas. Um, and you can just make an appointment if you're, uh, you know, if you have questions or if you're in a bind. Um, and you can come right up there and get fr- legal advice. Okay. <laughs> Very good. Now, Haley, <laughs> um, tell me a little bit about the events that ASMSU is looking forward to this semester? Yeah, well, one of the um, main things and one of the more exciting things um, is that we are looking to put on a spring concert. Um, You know, I think it's always a little bit tricky with the number of students that um, we have on this campus to find an artist that, um, you know, meets the needs of, of all these people. But, um, you know, I think that we've found someone, um, who people are really going to enjoy. Um, obviously we can't reveal that right now, but I think it's going to be really exciting when we do, um, to let everyone know who we're going to bring to campus. We also try to tie in those, uh, those concerts and those real populist events with our elections so that mm-hmm. if someone wants to come to a concert, that's awesome. And that's an easy way to target students, but maybe in the same time we can also get them to learn about what asmsu is and what how they can get involved and if it's something really worthwhile they might want to pursue sure that's great well you're building suspense you're having elections and you've got superheroes so i think it's good it's going well so far is there anything else you know exciting coming up or any other initiatives that you guys really want to talk about um just uh just to keep an eye out for us i think we're really transforming uh you know what it's going to mean to be part of student government. Uh, We're really transforming the way we reach out to students. We're trying to really bolster our marketing because the the simple fact is our constituency erases itself every four years. Um, So how can we, you know, capitalize on videography and how can we capitalize on social media um, and really get students excited about what we're doing and and show them that we do have a real good voice for the administration um, and that if you want something changed, ASMSU is the place to go. Okay, that's great. Go ahead. Another really cool thing that we're doing, um, just to bolster marketing and, and get our name out there again, um, is some something we're working with um, the Telecasters um, to kind of create, you know, promo videos about, you know, what is ASMSU and who are the people behind the name, um, that kind of thing. So we're looking to do some promo videos, um, you know, on campus, and also maybe a um, monthly or you know every two every two days throughout the month um, to have some sort of video about ASMSU. So we're excited to work with Telecasters on getting those out there in the next few months. So. Yeah, that's great. Now, I have one more question. What is it like to be a president of this giant organization? Um, it's sort of, I mean, it's something I've been, I've had my eyes on since I was a freshman. It's cool, though, <laughs> because I get to experience, um, really, I get, like, firsthand experience of what, uh, of what, 40,000 students are up to and, and, and what's going on at this university from the student level to the administration level. Um, and also I get to work with, uh, you know, like 100 people who just make the association really great. And we, we try so hard to make uh, the, enrich the undergraduate experience and, and do anything we can uh, to make uh, students' lives easier. So when they come to the third floor and say, oh, you know, thanks for the legal services or, oh, cool, eye clicker and awesome, whatever. Um, that's really exciting for us. And also more, maybe more importantly is when we make sweeping changes like medical amnesty, we know we're not only affecting um, our undergraduates today in a positive way, but for years to come and in the whole state. These are the kinds of things we get really excited about. So it's sort of a it's a balance, and it's really fun. It's a fun trip. Well, that's great. Thank you guys both again for coming. We really appreciate your time. And again, uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to hear more about uh, ASMSU, you can go up to Third Floor Student Services. They're there. Oh, it seems like 24-7 for all the work you guys are doing, but they're there often, so feel free to stop by. Um, to end tonight's exposure...
To end tonight's exposure, excuse us, is the motivational moment, a time to leave you with inspiration for the week. In this moment, I quote Jackie Robinson when he said, a life is not important except for the impact it has on other lives. Thanks for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen, keeping you informed and bidding you farewell until next Tuesday. This is Abby Newton for Impact Exposure. Broadcasting from the campus of Michigan State University, you've been listening to Impact Exposure. Exposure.